0: Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Blake Benz Podcast. I'm excited today to be talking about your employees and maybe you are someone who you are part of a large company where you have several employees. Uh, Maybe you're somebody who you're you're part of a a smaller company where uh, you only have a few employees or maybe you are a business owner who you're looking to add that first employee or heck, you might even be the employee yourself. Maybe this will, <laughs> maybe listening to this podcast will make you feel vindicated from an employee standpoint, because I definitely feel for my fellow employees. I've I've talked and worked with a lot of people who I empathize with them because I think your boss is a total idiot, uh, and that sounds pretty harsh, but I, I think about a. There's one company, it's a Fortune 500 company and I was working with uh their managers and I was at a this is a trucking company that I was at one of their locations in New York and I'd only been in, I, hadn't, I hadn't been in there very long in their in their place where these drivers are picking up loads and then they're taking it off to deliver and this one driver who's probably worked at this company for a decade well this new manager comes in and the manager is something like maybe 23 years old, maybe 24, pretty close to out of college and you know is now managing this person who is uh, easily 20 years his senior and he's barking orders at him he's you know getting after this guy. this guy apparently had made some small mistake and so the manager just wouldn't stop writing him about it. And afterwards I was I was doing a different project but I had an opportunity to talk to that driver. I was just passing some time and just he was walking by to his truck and I just started hanging out with him for a second and started asking him questions and just was just curious, you know, what does he like about his job? What does he think about his job? And this guy could not stop complaining about his job. Now Some bosses will hear that story and be like, well, yeah, that's the problem. We have employees who, you know, I'm paying for this person's well-being. I'm giving them a paycheck. You know, why are they complaining? And I will go ahead and tell you if that is how you think as a boss, as you being the gracious, uh, benevolent, uh, it's all about you and your ego and what you're doing for someone who works for you. If that's how you think, you've probably missed it. And chances are you aren't a very good boss. Now, this person has an, it, just an exorbitant amount of knowledge about the company. He obviously has a lot to offer. He does well for himself from like a, a responsibilities position. And his biggest pain isn't the customer's. It's not managing the loads or getting his truck taken care of. His biggest pain is his boss. And you know what's funny to me is as I think about that story, I think of how many other employees I've talked to who that is their main concern. In fact, it's my story. Now that I think of it, when people talk about my time in Houston or not that people are talking about my time in Houston, when I talk about my time in Houston and I talk about being a teacher and I talk about, you know, what it was like to, I was teaching a, uh, some classes were up to 40 people in the classroom, sometimes more, (laughs) you know, just an incredible, it was an incredible situation. And I uh, had some kids in my class who were part of gangs. I had some kids in my class who were not the most um, I don't know how to put it. I mean you you sometimes so for you know I didn't know really how to describe it other than other than you had you had people from really challenging circumstances. And so you might have a student who's in there who He's trying to fall. He's falling asleep in your class, not because he's being disrespectful, but because he was working his job to pay the rent for his family up till two in the morning the night before. So the best way to put it is they have all of these situations. And so when I was working in Houston, sometimes I would come back and people would say things like, oh, it must be so hard teaching those kids or it must be so hard, you know, whatever someone's mind would go to. Well, the hard thing wasn't the students. The hard thing were my bosses, my, my principals and assistant principals who made life very challenging, made it very difficult. And I, so doing your job and dealing with the boss, it's, it's not too uncommon of a story. I have a friend of mine, he's an engineer, and pretty much any injustice that happens to him at work in some way relates to his boss who is totally incompetent. And it gets me kind of frustrated because I think about why are there so many people in leadership positions who have no idea how to manage people? And typically, many of you probably already know the answer to this. Typically, what happens the way we promote people into positions of power and authority is they show a certain skill set, such as this person's a really good salesperson. So I know let's put this person in charge of all of the other salespeople, even if they have no idea how to actually manage people. So it's actually not too uncommon. Well, more and more, I'm, I'm engaging with people and talking with people who have no idea how to manage their people or they have, they have the wrong philosophy about their people. And specifically, I have people who come to me and they ask questions like, how do I get really quality employees? Like, where do I find these people? Like, where do I find the A-team? And I, say, I see people say things like, um, how do I get employees that I don't have to micromanage? And I'm always having to micromanage. Like, where do I find these people who will just simply do their job? And they talk about it like it's this, uh, I don't know, like this, this hidden gem that you have to search for. Or, you know, you're looking for El Dorado or, or you're looking for a unicorn or like something that's almost, it has this mythical status to it of how do I actually find a quality employee, And I think the reason people think that it's just impossible to find is that, and I've mentioned this before, only 15% of people are actually self-aware. And so a lot of times whenever I work with someone, people don't realize that the reason employees are struggling is not because their employees are incompetent. It's because they aren't actually setting their employees up for success, right? And I've never forgotten this. I had a boss who I worked for who was a he was just really he really understood this concept of you even when you're trying to grow your people you always want to put them in a position where they can experience success and so for example we had a guy who was at a previous job who was a a serious introvert total fear of speaking in front of people you know, would totally. I mean, this guy would throw up before even saying a word in front of people. And I remember a a person who was in charge of him handed him a microphone and asked him to entertain people who were watching, who were who were trying to kill time. And this guy totally flopped miserably. I mean, it was cringy. I mean, you you feel bad for the guy. Like you almost want to get up and help this person because he's he's trying to do what his boss has asked him to do, which is entertain this crowd. But at the same time, you know, just is fully incapable of actually uh, getting outside of his introversion to do this well. And that's what we mean when when we talk about setting someone up for success. It means you're actually giving them the opportunity where they can experience success. And if they if they totally flop and fail and you don't give them that opportunity, it's not on them. It's not for you as a boss to say, ha, I knew you couldn't do it it actually reflects on you as a leader of, man, I'm doing a really bad job helping that person out. That's, That's what it really means to manage someone. But a lot of times when we think about management, we get into this perspective of where management means parenting. And so my job as a manager for people is to parent them, you know, like they are totally incompetent. And I think this is really appropriate if I can share an example of a company that I was working with this last week. So I had a company I was working with and I'm talking to the CEO and he owns this, it's, it's a, it's an online business where he has about 15 to 20 employees and they're all remote. And the way they operate as a business is they're essentially a mediator. They're a go between between, uh, two different types of companies. And so they essentially, they take accounts from one company and they transfer them over to a different type of company. So everybody works from home, everybody works remotely, but they're all within the same, you could think of it as like a 50 mile radius. So it's like a, it's a regional company basically. Well, so as we're talking, the, the first question he asked me, and this is actually what's, what's brought him to asking this question is he's looking for advice on how to assess everyone's workstations. And right off the bat, I'm super confused by the question. So we're talking and he says, yeah, here's what I'm wanting to do. I'm looking for advice on how would I go and assess everyone's workstations. And I say, well, this, this confuses me. You, I thought everyone was remote. And he says, yeah, what I want to do is I'm, I'm thinking that I want to take a couple of days and I want to drive around to everyone's house and I want to assess the working conditions of their house. I want to make sure they're still being productive. And so I'm looking for advice on how would I do that? Do I need to make a checklist? What's on the checklist? How, how do I do that the right way? And then maybe take that checklist and put it like in our HR policies book or something like that. Like, how would I do that? Well, my first thought was, if I was one of your employees, I would run as far away as possible. I'm thinking this guy is, this guy is such a micromanager. I'm thinking, oh my gosh, you actually want to? And even thinking about this from like a a a strategic standpoint, you have the person who's in charge of the entire company, and instead of him spending that time actually running the company, he's instead wanting to wanting to spend his time. Going from house to house to make sure someone's desk is organized. So I'm asking more questions. I'm just trying to understand. I'm totally confused. And I say, well, are, are your employees struggling? Are they having a tough time? Because sometimes it's not uncommon that someone it will excel in one area. But when it comes to organization and just like the function of their workspace... It's, it's a total disaster, and they can't actually get their work done well. So I've seen sometimes where a boss will coach someone on, here are some things you can develop, some practices you can do to keep you more organized, keep you on point, focused, and keep you productive. So it's it's not without the realm of possibility. But to actually do this, take up a couple of days to drive around to everyone's house, I'm thinking this is so bizarre, unusual, weird, whatever. And I ask him, what's what's your revenue like I mean, are your revenue numbers struggling? He goes, oh, no, it's been fantastic, actually. In the last nine months, we have tripled our revenue. I said, really? And he goes, yeah. I mean, they're doing a great job. They've tripled the revenue. We've gone from this number to this number. It's been phenomenal. And that's why I'm wanting to inspect everyone's offices is to make sure we are in a good place moving forward. And I said, but you see, your your people aren't going to see it that way. If I was your employee and I knew that we had tripled your numbers and then you show up at my house to make sure that everything is organized, I'm going to be thinking, what the heck is wrong with you? I'm going to be thinking, what is, what's the matter? You, you micromanaging psychopathic person, who cares how dirty my desk is? That's what I would think. And he's like, well, yeah, I mean, I get that. I just, I just, you know, I just want everyone to be Organized, productive, whatever. And I say, well, that's I get it, but you're not parenting them, right? Because I think that's what we do. You know, that's where that's where we go, is we we get to on the, the parenting angle. And the bottom line is everyone has different preferences in work. Everyone has a different approach of how they like to go about things. So here's a good way to think of it: some people, they like to spin multiple plates at the same time they enjoy variety in their work day and so they'll wear several hats they'll work a little bit on this project they'll spend maybe an hour on that project and maybe they'll move on to a different project and maybe they have you know a good way this, this is actually me you know i have 12 different things to get done in my work day and i will work on all 12 of those things in a day now i'll finish all of them on wednesday as opposed to monday some people, on the other hand, they love checklists. They love, the, they love the feeling of drawing that check mark in the box. And so they can't move on to issue number two until issue number one is solved. So Monday, all of Monday is devoted to updating the website, for example. Or all of Monday is spent on actually updating the, uh, the accounts for uh, you know, customer information, what have you. So everybody has different preferences and that's why it's so important not to judge someone by preference, but to judge them by their outcomes. It doesn't matter how the way they go about it as long as they get get work done, right? So again, going back to his employees, if he had all these employees and they were in the red, they were struggling to be profitable, then I could maybe understand actually going to people's offices or home offices, But even then, and this is a common problem I see in management in general, is that people will often do things like one person is struggling. And so in order to solve the problem with that one employee, the boss will institute a company wide new policy that punishes everyone. And maybe if you've been a part of this where you've seen someone do something wrong and then everyone else suffers because of that one person. A really good example would be when I was working in Houston, one of the perks of lunch is that you could go off campus, which you're in in inner city Houston. There's plenty of really great restaurants, Subway, whatever. Um, That's right. I just said Subway was a great restaurant. Uh, I hope my wife doesn't listen to this. But so you have plenty of like quick and easy places that are within a mile of the school that you can easily go to and get food at. And it's a lot better that a lot of times, especially when you have a really busy week, you don't always have uh, the time to make your own lunch or have like one of those uh, microwave lunch uh, from the freezer aisle. Well, so, and this, this actually happened. We had two teachers who they went off to lunch. And apparently and unfortunately in education, you occasionally have some bad eggs. Uh, Every job has a couple of people who they just struggle. Well, you had these two teachers who they went off and had a great lunch. And then as they were kind of commiserating about their job, one of them says, I have a great idea. Let's just not go back. And the other one says, yeah great idea. What are they going to do? Fire us? (laughs) Because in Houston, actually, you have to, if you don't do one of these, like, so for example, whenever they're going to fire a teacher, they fire a teacher for like one of 27 different reasons. And so if you envision a checklist, you have 27 different things that you could get fired for. So like one might be like, you know, molesting a student or like selling drugs to a student or doing drugs in class or you know, uh, stealing from your students. So they're there very specific things you have to do to get fired. Uh, being late to a classroom is not one of them, unfortunately. And so these teachers knew that. They show up something like 20 to 30 minutes into their next class. And this class is just totally uninhabited by a teacher. Well, the principals were rightfully upset. Well, what they did was of about 100 teachers, maybe there's like 80 teachers, they removed off-campus lunch for all the teachers. And they said, we have a new policy. Teachers, you are to stay on campus whenever you're going to, uh, whenever you have your lunch, uh, period. No more, there there won't be any more of teachers going to uh, grab lunch. Well, from a culture standpoint, that's pretty devastating. You know, now you have people who, especially teachers who've been working their butt off, now they're being rewarded by losing their lunch privileges, which is pretty Uh, disappointing. In the same way, you have people who have tripled the revenue of this company and their reward is I'm going to have someone come with a, you know, a fingerprint or or with a, a, uh, what's it called? A glove. And they're going to run their finger across the desk to see, you know, how much dirt I have, you know, how organized I am. That's, that's very frustrating for an employee who has been producing for you. And it's a really good example of someone who's micromanaging. They don't Now, they don't think they're micromanaging, but really they are. See, my philosophy is, and this is what I actually told them, I said, dude, your employees have tripled your revenue. I would tell them to do whatever the heck they want. And he was like, I can't tell them that. And I was like, why can't you? Obviously, they're working for you. Obviously, they're being productive. You know, I mean, they've tripled your revenue. Obviously, they're, they're doing what they should be doing. Tell them, do whatever the heck you want they're doing a great job. And he was like, well, I just, I feel like, you know, I'm concerned because like, I'm worried that I'm worried that one of my employees has their kid at home. And I said, okay, what's the problem with that? And he said, well, you know, it's a, it's a work environment. You know, even though they're working remotely, they're on the clock, they shouldn't have their kid at home. And I was like, but, but see, you don't understand it. If this person is hitting the numbers, if they're overhitting the numbers you want from them, Why would you care? See, a lot of times as business managers and as owners, we get so hung up on things that simply do not matter. They do not matter. The things that matter are the strategic decisions that we make for our business, the things that directly have an ROI to it, right? And a lot of times what happens is we have employees who are not producing well, and so what happens is we blame the employees or we wait till they leave or they wait till they quit. And we don't understand that it's actually our fault that they're moving on. I think, of, I, I, you know, this, this happens all the time where someone will come to me and say, I just cannot find quality employees or, or they'll say something like all of my employees are struggling. If all of your employees are struggling, chances are it's not your employees I have seen it be the case 90% of the time. When employees are struggling, it's not them, it's you. Either you are a poor manager, a poor micro, or you're a really great micromanager, or you don't, you don't know how to develop clarity or systems for your people to understand. Uh, my brother-in-law was telling me about a boss that he had where he would come into work and just be like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do here today. My boss doesn't tell me what to do. I, what am I doing here? <laughs> what am I doing? I, I have no idea. I just, I don't even know what I'm supposed to be working on. Right. And, and it's the boss's job to provide that clarity of this is what we're doing. This is what we're building to. This is what we're working on. Right. But instead, and I think this is what's so uncomfortable about leadership. It's a lot easier in a position of leadership to criticize those around us than to understand what's wrong with us. You know, I think a really great example of this, I was giving my wife, I was talking to my wife and giving her a perspective I had. And I was saying, you know, I feel like you, and I was, honestly, I was criticizing her. Well, she flipped it back at me and said, you know what? I think you're seeing it the wrong way. And I don't know if you're, I don't know if you're being honest with yourself as to how this really is. And she gave me a perspective and I I started listening to it. and I was like, dang, you're right. <laughs> Man, it's so much easier to blame someone else than realize and I'm not too good at this. But see, people in general, it's it's uncomfortable. it's It's unsettling. It's not a great feeling to come face to face with how we suck as leaders, right? And in general, what I've noticed is that to find quality employees, most people are actually willing to grow into the level of productivity that we want from them. It's more in, in, in a very simple way to understand this, and this this it's amazing how simple this is in my mind, and yet how contested this is with some people that I talk to. People will repeat what you reward. People will do what you reward them for. We are seeing this now explicitly in a a static salary versus a. Uh, monetary incentivized career where if you compare the two, I'm, I'm talking about jobs where you essentially you eat what you kill versus jobs where you get a base salary and that's just what you make. The jobs where you are able to be incentivized and motivated and rewarded for uh, you know the work that you actually do, there are Numerous I mean I can't you can't even name all of them there are numerous examples of this uh, of these companies totally beating out the competition because when people know that they're going to be recognized and rewarded they simply do more for the company and I've talked to people about this mindset and, and people that I really respect and and love and adore who who we just have ideological differences. But I, I, I've talked to people in the past who've said things like, well, I believe that when you hire the right person, they're going to give 110% out of honest altruism or out of honest ambition to sincerely help the company. And I'm like, man, that is such a, an optimistic belief. I've just never seen it be the case. And I, I, I don't know if it's because we're like inherently selfish I don't know why why we don't give you know everything that's in us to uh, you know the company that hires us. You know, even even right now as I'm saying that out loud, it's it kind of sounds a little bit like hail corporate. But in general, we we are we do what we're rewarded to do. A perfect example of this: compare Chick fil A to Popeyes. Compare the two of those situations, those two restaurants. One of them is incentivized based on how well they do from a sales perspective. The other one is a flat base pay. And we we can tell the difference about this. In the same way, I often see people who bemoan and are frustrated by their employees, and yet they aren't incentivizing them and rewarding them for the productive behavior that they want to see in them. So, so think about how easily we get this backwards and, and you, you may be listening to this thinking like, yeah, this is so common sense. This is such a no brainer. It's, but, but I almost feel like I'm losing my mind because I can't tell you the number of companies that miss this, where this is a foreign concept. I even had, I had one guy who chewed me out and he said, I don't want to hear any more about your social, your, your socialist, ec, uh, uh, um. I can't remember what he, the wording he used. He basically said I was a socialist. He said I don't hear anymore about your your socialist ideology. You know, give everyone all the money. And and I I just said, man, you've totally misunderstood me. <laughs> I'm talking about rewarding people based on what they do for you, right? And it's it's a shocker of how we miss this concept or get it backwards. In fact, here's a really great example of how we get it backwards. You, The company that I just mentioned with all the at-home employees, they tripled the revenue for me. Therefore, I will reward them by an in-home inspection of their workplace. Think about how backwards that is. Now, this person didn't have any malicious intent to, he just, he is a new-ish CEO and just didn't know. He just, he didn't realize, okay, wow, yeah, I didn't realize how this might come across to my people. But, But that's the approach that a lot of companies take is they don't realize you're actually rewarding, you're actually communicating to your people, hey, I'm not going to reward you for the good work you've done for me. And I guarantee you those are people who are going to say things like, man, I, this is really a bit much for me. I'm going to move on to somewhere else. Now, they're not just going to move on to somewhere else. They're going to move on with now a resume line item that says I tripled my company's revenue. And what's going to happen is they're going to go on to another company that does value them, that does care for them, that does sincerely want to reward them based on their investment into the into the business. And, you know, again, I'm not saying there aren't people out there who will legitimately contribute to the company with with no need of a thank you. I'm not, I'm not saying anything like that. I've actually worked with some incredible people who give 120, 130 percent, and they do it expecting nothing in return because they believe so much in the company. So I'm not saying they don't exist. I'm saying in general, the best way to manage a high quality team is we have to be able to reward and incentivize people. And a lot of what I'm talking about, it doesn't have to be money, people. You know, it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be you're paying money to people. It can It can be a slew of other things. It can be a slew of other perks. I remember one guy who told a story about, he knew he was, he knew that he he mattered in his company because one day his boss walked in and had given him a cup of coffee from his favorite coffee shop. You know, and that, that uh, expression, that illustration to him was, I'm valued here. I'm cared for here. Uh, now, it probably would have meant a lot more if this boss had contributed to that person's mortgage than a $2 cup of coffee or in today's culture, maybe a $5 cup of coffee. And maybe that's where we miss it sometimes. You know, I, I think sometimes we like to illustrate or we like to think of our employees as these uh, money grubbing, you know, what have you. But you, until you have a mortgage, you have no idea the stress and pain that having that mortgage means for you, right? Like the burden of your bills is so realistic that when someone is when someone is moving on from one company to another, they're not money chasing, they're not greedy. This person is trying to resolve some real weights and stress in their life because simply put it, whether you like it or not, when you can remove some of those obstacles in your life, it really does make life a lot easier. You know to not be under crippling student loan, you know to not have these- these serious deficits in your life, it makes a difference whether you like it or not, right but so in general, like i've said i've seen I've seen people who they don't know how to reward their employees they don't know how to do it the right way, and in some cases it's it's actually pretty nonsensical. I was talking to a guy who he runs. A, it's it's basically you can think of it as sort of like a food truck business, and he's paying his employees maybe like twelve dollars an hour, and he was talking to me about how do how do I retain my people? How do I actually you know keep really high quality employees? And he was saying that a couple of his employees had moved on to a different restaurant and they were making something like sixteen dollars an hour there, and he says I don't know what to do. How do I convince them to stay? And I said, well, you know why why don't you pay them $16 an hour? And he's like, are you crazy? Are you, ca- I can't pay that. I said, Well, talk to me about your revenue. Well, and I, and that, that this is the only question I asked. And he starts talking about the history of his business. And he, he says something he's actually, he's doing incredibly well. He's actually managing a series of food trucks. And he says something like, you know, I'm, I'm taking home every year around $350,000. Uh, I could, I could take home $300,000 and pay them 16 an hour. I could do that. And it wouldn't bother me. My life would be fine. You know, I, I actually, the circumstances of my life really wouldn't change going from 350 grand to 300 grand. And then he moved on to a different topic, but I, I pushed him and went back to that and said, okay, well, you just said you could easily go down to 300 grand to pay them 16 an hour. So why don't you? And he really couldn't. And he was kind of like, uh, I don't know you know, I don't know if it was because he really liked 350 grand and I'm not even saying, you know, give away. I, and this is where, you know, people can kind of misunderstand me. I'm not saying there's anything guilty about him having 350 versus 300. It's that when you do business the right way and you reward your employees accordingly, the highest tier people are going to come to your company first. Because like from an hourly perspective, why am I going to take my talents from this company who's paying me 14? Why wouldn't I be wanting to go to the $16 an hour company? Why wouldn't I be wanting to do that? Right? Why wouldn't I be seeking that company out first? And see, it, he wouldn't actually be, you know, if he, if he, in his mind, reduced his income from 350 to 300 to pay them 16 an hour, he's not giving away his wealth. Actually, what he's in doing, what he's doing is he's incentivizing behavior, you know, maybe where it's, it's 14 an hour with an opportunity to make up to 18 an hour based on how you work, what can actually, and what actually does happen is you go from $350,000 to now $450,000 because people will now work harder for you because that paycheck at the end of the day means a lot for them. I loved it. I was talking to someone who's part of a nonprofit and she said, I'm trying to hire a, it was like a clinical nurse position for this nonprofit. And she said, I'm trying to hire this position for my uh, team. The average pay is $70,000 for this person. Now I have a budget of about $30,000. And she asked, what I want to know is how do I convince someone to come work for me? And I just smiled and said, well, it sounds like you need to find 35,000 more dollars so you could pay her 70. And she laughed too and was like, oh, I know, but, but, how do, but how do I do it right now though? And I said, I just think about it. Think of it this way. If someone knows they're worth 70 grand and they actually are someone of quality, they do their job well, why would they come work for you for 35 grand when they know they could make double that somewhere else it's not going to happen now maybe 1 in 20 or 1 in 30 is going to say you know i just really want to give back i i'm willing to live my life at half salary because i so believe in this purpose this cause what have you and that may be true again for 1 out of 20 1 out of 30 what i have found though is that the people who come to work for us in these nonprofit situations, they aren't that one in 21 and 30. They're the other 19 of, of, of 20 who they aren't even worth the 70 grand. They don't even have the experience, but they do care about it. And so now we hire someone based on they really care about us, even though they aren't really qualified to do this. And in, 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 when, we, when we think this through all the way to completion, the issue that we're talking about, the reason you want to focus so much on maintaining high employees, it's twofold. One, you want to minimize the amount of employees, who, amount of employees who are going to move on somewhere else. Because there is a significant cost in having to retrain an employee, even from an hourly person perspective, to get someone to someone who is fully qualified, understands the business for them to be replaced even in an hourly job and get them up to speed, and get them to the same productivity as, as someone who is well-qualified, it's around $8,000 to replace that person. So you're literally eating a cost anytime you replace someone. So from one perspective, we're trying to minimize the amount of people who move on. From the other perspective, we're also trying to do, uh, and this is actually not even, it's, it's really just a multitude of things. We're trying to develop people who do their best work for us, We're trying to keep people in our company so that they understand our, uh, sorry, my dog's shaking off some dirt. Uh, We're trying to find people who we want to keep them in our company because they understand our culture. They know the way we do things. Uh, There's some pretty, pretty surprising data on when you bring someone in from the outside, there's quite a bit of of data that points to that person being doomed from the start as opposed to being successful only because this person has to now assimilate into a business culture that he or she doesn't understand. Good example of this would be Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs has a pretty negative perspective on the CEO that was brought in from Pepsi to run Apple and and naturally has a negative perspective because Steve Jobs was outed around this time before he came back. But he said something that's really meaningful, and and that was, this person understands Pepsi really well, doesn't understand Apple really well. So you're already running a risk of someone having to come in from the outside. So there's a real merit to actually retaining your employees and really continuing to convince them to invest in your company. Now, beyond this, some people are going to leave regardless. You know, they're going to move on regardless. The problem is those moments are few and far between. And what we do is we take those moments and we allow them to dictate our whole management philosophy of, I invested a lot into this person and they left. Therefore, I'm never investing in my people again. You know, I was burned by this one person. And so i never going to do anything to actually grow my employees. And someone had, I don't know how common this expression is, but the way I've heard it described is... You know, what if we invest in someone and they leave and the, the rebuttal being, what if we don't invest in them and they stay, what's that going to mean about our company? What's that going to do to our productivity and the outcomes of our company, right? The best leaders I've seen understand this concept really well, because at the end of the day, and a great book you can check out actually, it's by Gost- Gostick and Elton, and it's called The Invisible Employee, and the, the whole, it's a it's kind of like a fable Uh, written like a, um, a story format, basically. But the whole point of the book, I'll just, I'll just save you from reading it. The whole point of the book is you have to recognize your employees and you have to incentivize your employees because if you don't, the best employees will leave first. Think about why they'll leave first because they know they can get a job anywhere. And so if all of your best employees are leaving, guess what that means about the quality of your team in terms of those who stayed. It's not a very good outcome. It's not very pretty. The best leaders I know get this. The best leaders I know are investing in their people. I got to give a great shout out to my friend. Stephanie Medford. She is the CEO and president of Ronald McDonald House uh, here in, it's called Arcoma, but specifically, especially, they're based here in Northwest Arkansas. Stephanie w- did some work with my previous company and spent thousands on her employees. And I remember, and I literally mean thousands, <laughs> a lot more than a nonprofit. The typical nonprofits that I talk to are willing to spend on their employees. But Stephanie gets it. See, it's different. But I remember when I was first talking to her, we were talking about, and we were going to do this training for her employees. And we were were going through a list of people who should be in this training. And there were two employees, and I was looking at the descriptions, and two of the employees were part-time. And I made some comment. I said something like, well, it would be cheaper if you excluded these two people. They're part-time. They're probably not as pivotal to the business as these full-time people. So let's exclude these two people. And it's about 10 people total. I said, let's exclude these two part-time people to save you some money. And she said, Blake, no, it's important to me that they're part of the training. And it's always, it's always meant something to me that this leader was so willing to invest in her people that she even invested in the part-time employees. That, that says something about someone's perspective of leadership that frankly would benefit a lot of other leaders whenever they think about how they manage their people well. But see, instead, instead a lot of times it's so backwards, it's I'm going to pay the bottom dollar to my people. I'm going to pay them next to nothing. Well, I can't afford to lose that. Actually, I was talking to a guy who we were talking about what he was what he was paying his employees and he's paying below the industry average. And I said, man, at the very least, you have to get them up to industry average. And he said, Blake, I can't afford to. That would kill me as a business. I can't afford to do that. And I, I remember listening to this and thinking the, the issue isn't your employees. The issue is your business model. It's It's up to you now as the boss. You need to fix your model so that these people can actually be paid what they deserved. It's like a guy I was talking to. He was asking about where can I where can my business find some free web hosting because we can't afford paid web hosting. And I was like, dude, paid web hosting is like eight bucks a month. How can you not afford this? But see, it's easier to blame the employees or you guys just aren't doing enough for me. You're just not working hard enough for me or we're just gonna have a rotating door here rather than recognize I have serious problems with my business and until I fix those things, I will not be able to get the quality people that I need. What it means to really manage people well and manage high quality people well, it means not parenting them It means removing obstacles that are in their way that's keeping them from getting to the success that they want to accomplish. And having a very optimistic way to think of it, your employees, they want to do good on your behalf. They want to do good for the company. I think people naturally want to excel. Nobody starts a race and thinks, eh, yeah, I'll take eighth place. (laughs) People like the feeling of opportunity of, oh, I could actually win this thing. I could actually, I could actually do something. I remember, I remember the days when I was working at Chewy's, which uh, Chewy's plug. It's amazing. You should go to Chewy's. It's awesome. I love if I could work at Chewy's the rest of my life. And be financially super successful, I would in a heartbeat. I loved working at Chewies, and I remember the days that my my manager, as we were doing our pre shift meeting, he would say, "Do you guys want a competition today?" And all of us would come alive. Yeah, we want a competition. Okay, the most case whoever wins whoever sells the most quesos or sells ten quesos today for lunch, uh, you're gonna get a free t shirt or you're going to get a gift card, or you're going to get free lunch today. And it was, I mean, I I just remember it, it always caused people to be like, you know, almost feral over, yeah, you know, let's get out there and let's do this. Because people like to achieve. They like to be successful. They like to accomplish things. You know, people like the feeling. I mean, think about people who You've seen so many success stories of people who they were overweight and then they went to the gym and they went consistently for eight months to a year, whatever. This person will suddenly transform to be from being totally introverted, never posting on social media. What are they going to think of me? I can't post on Instagram to now they can't stop blowing up your phone because they want everyone to know what they've done for themselves. And it's not like egocentric. It's that they're so proud of what they've overcome. And we as a culture, a lot of times we, we love those success stories. We love seeing people who they overcome. They're successful. They, they, they beat a challenge of some kind. In the same way, your employees, it, it just, it bums me out when I meet managers who have such a cynical, pessimistic, negative view of their employees as takers, stealers, thieves, whatever. And it's their job to keep them in line. Or something like, I have you here for eight hours a day. I'm going to make sure I keep you super productive for those eight hours. A friend of mine, he's a salaried staff person at a company. And what'll happen is think about, think about, just process this for a second. He's so good at his job that in an eight hour workday, he might finish all of his projects, everything that needs to be done by maybe three o'clock in the afternoon a couple of hours before that 8 hour work day is over. I mean he's a productive person. He does really well for himself. But what his boss will do, his boss will go out of his way to find random meaningless tasks for him to work on just to make sure he gets those 2 hours done. Now, the outcome never matters because my my buddy he would be like, oh, okay, yeah, I can do that for you. And then when he would try to submit it, he'd be like, well, I don't really need that. It's not really a big deal. And finally he's thinking like, hey, why are you asking me to do these things that you that just doesn't seem like they matter at all? And his boss finally point blank told him, look, I got you here for eight hours a day. And so even if you finish everything at three o'clock, I still have two more hours with you. I'm, I'm just gonna find busy work for you to do. And my friend was floored. He couldn't believe it are you kidding me? You're going to reward my kicking butt and being an all-star at your company. You're going to reward that with busy, meaningless work. Think about how backwards that is. Think of how stupid it is from like a sustainability standpoint. You have a boss who, instead of running the company, is now investing meaningless time creating meaningless tasks for his employees you have an employee who's been going a mile a minute killing himself to do to do good for your company and is now going to take his foot off the gas to eat up the whole 8 hours i was reading a reddit thread today and it was an ask reddit post and you can you can check out ask reddit it's where they post all sorts of questions for people and one that that was really just a kicker for me the question was those of you who have 8 hour jobs or 9 to 5 jobs what do you do to take up your entire day and and a really i think a really pessimistic viewpoint would be see see my people are lazy they're looking to eat up time they're looking to take advantage of me and that's you know that that may be one perspective. And going back to when I was a teacher, I'm not saying there aren't entitled, awful employees. There there are certainly people who are trying to steal time from you, who are trying to take advantage of you. Those people exist. I'm not naive to that. My problem is that that's the exception, not the rule, right? And so I'm reading through this thread and and it's essentially, it's 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 a post of people who all get all of their work done at the three-hour mark, at the four-hour mark, and then, okay, I got to kill time now. I can't leave till five. I got to find some stuff to do. I got to find some work to get done. And one guy even had, he was sharing a, and if you if you love Reddit, by the way, you're going to totally harass me for the link to this. One guy even shared his uh, Microsoft Outlook mod, or rather, it's a Reddit mod, uh, where our Reddit program where, whenever you're browsing reddit it makes it look like microsoft outlook it makes it look like your email service so if someone walks in it looks like you're actually going through your email when really you're browsing reddit that's 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 where the ridiculousness of this has gotten to right where people they they are so done with the workday they have they've completed everything but they know the constraints of their boss that they have to look busy. It's kind of like the old George Costanza line of, of how do you stay so productive at work? And he says, I, I honestly, I just look really busy. You know, if someone asks me to do something, I'm just like, oh man, I'm so busy, sorry. But that's what we have to do because we have people who it's, it's, the philosophy is I have you for eight hours today, I'm getting that eight hours from you. I remember I had a really great CEO who I loved her philosophy. She said, you know what? If my people get their work done in three hours, their work's done in three hours. They don't need to go look busy the rest of the day. They don't need to kill time. If they're done, they're done. Now we can, we can talk about using their time effectively. If I'm only giving them a three hour workload and we need to, we need to do some more work or, or maybe they're hungry for more work, or maybe they have an opportunity to make some more money for themselves and for the company. Let's talk that through. Let's let's dial through that. But if my people are done at, at the 12 hour mark, I don't want to have them agonize over unproductive time because, Hey, I got you here for eight hours, you know? Now, again, this would totally, this, this whole line of thinking probably shocks a lot of people who are like, you know, how could you even suggest this for your employees? But in general, it's, it's, it's all about how do I get the most out of my people? And the way you do that is you incentivize them accordingly. You reward them accordingly, and then you get the heck out of the way. The only time you need to step in as a boss from like a management standpoint is when one, your people genuinely do not understand. So someone's doing their job the wrong way, and you're stepping in to coach them, direct them, teach them. Two, they're doing their job poorly, so they are not producing. You know, going back to the guy who had the remote employees, I said, the only person's house you should visit is the one who's not hitting any numbers, who's being totally unproductive. And you're not visiting them to catch them. You're visiting them to coach them. Hey, let's talk it through. Let's figure it out. How can we be more productive? You know, as you think this thing through, your people want to do well for you. And so your job is to do well for them. Let them do well for you. Let them be successful for you. Don't micromanage them. Don't overburden them with your need to have control, your need to be the one to say and do it your way, you know, what have you. Remove the obstacles, provide clarity, coach them, and then get out of the way. Get out of the way. The only time you should be stepping back in is to say, hey, great job. I noticed you did a great job and I'm gonna reward you accordingly. I've always really admired a friend of mine he, uh, works in agriculture and he's been talking about this, this business he's been putting together, this idea he has been putting together. And I love one of the first things he said about his employees that he's going to be hiring is I'm going to be paying them. I'm going to be paying them a few they their hourly employees. I'm going to be paying them a few dollars more than my competitors. And I thought this person gets it. This person understands it. And he said, the reason I'm going to do that is because I can live a lot. You know what? I'll be taking less money home at the end of the day, but I know that's going to do a lot more for them and for my business as a whole than it'll ever do for me to keep people at a certain salary bracket or a certain hourly range. Take care of your people. And I promise you, your business will flourish. One in a hundred people are phenomenal all-stars. Everyone else, we're just figuring it out day by day. If you give people an incentive, if you motivate them, and they will run through walls for you. They will do, they will do the job and more for you. Because again, it's not because they're selfish. It's because people like having control over their quality of life. I can make my life easier by making more money by working harder for this boss. That's the simple equation. And if they can't do it with you, again, the best ones, they'll move on and they'll get it somewhere else. Be a good boss. Steward your people. Take care of them. And uh, yeah, this whole management gig, it's its really not as hard as we make it out to be. It's really not as hard as we make it out to be. Hope this was encouraging. Uh, please do not email me and call me a socialist. But on the same token, if you have some questions about your business, uh, some management perspective that you'd like to uh, pitch to me. If you have any, any opinions, thoughts, feelings, whatever, uh, I always love engaging in conversations with my listeners. And so feel free to reach out at Blake at good or you can connect with me on Facebook, Instagram, what have you. Uh, that's all I got. I will connect with you again later and we'll be talking about some other topic. Take it easy. I'll see you. Bye-bye.